Welcome to the final episode of this podcast series, Wisdom from Meditation Teachers, and I got to interview Alison Hutchins. Alison is a certified mindfulness meditation teacher and has been teaching classes for 10 years. She's also an accredited member of the Meditation Association of Australia and the International Meditation Teachers Association. Alison has a passion and interest for wellness, preventative treatments and stress management and teaches mindfulness-based stress management, eye rest yoga, laughter yoga and other stress management techniques to corporates, schools and other parts of the community. She also teaches her own program called Zen Warrior for young children and teens. It was wonderful to speak to Alison. I just felt so much warmth from her voice and from her knowledge. It was just lovely to have her here and have a part of the project. And I really hope you enjoy her three Ps. I think they are definitely a a great rule of thumb for a mindfulness practice. And I'm so grateful that she shared her personal story and journey with meditation. I really do hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks, Alison, for joining me today and being the last person in this series. Wisdom for Meditation Teachers. Oh, thank you, Gabby, for having me. My pleasure to be here. Great. I'm so pleased. And I just want to start with how long have you been practicing meditation for? I've been practicing on and off for about 30 years. So what I mean by that is I've started a lot of times and I've stopped. So (laughs) over the years, a lot of starts, a lot of stops. Um, I've been practicing consistently um, for the last six years. So I find myself meditating day and night at the moment and for at least one hour a day. Mostly in the morning. I find if I meditate in the morning, it sets up my day nicely. I generally have more days where I've got a bit of a skip in my step if I meditate in the morning. And in the evening, I probably do about 15 minutes just to clear my head before I go to bed and then I find that I have a really sound sleep. Oh, well, you sound very dedicated. Oh, I am. It's changed my <laughs> life. It's a great thing. Yeah, Wonderful. And do you follow any tradition or do you have different approaches when you do your meditation practice? I have different approaches as I've learned from many, many teachers. But to be honest, I mostly follow mindfulness and uh, John Kabat-Zinn was was one of my teachers and I've learned a lot from him. done a lot of training in India, in the US and in Australia as well. Yeah, I mean, he's such a pioneer in the field of mindfulness and really brought it to the West, didn't he? Yeah, he's really the... I suppose the grandfather of mindfulness, if you yeah. like, but did all the research on mindfulness-based stress reduction back in the 70s, so he's very well respected, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm trained in his practices, I'm not trained in his full program, but um, I, as you know, I also advocate for mindfulness. And was it your personal experience with meditation that led you to teaching, or what was it that made you decide to be a teacher? Um, No, really, I was working um, in the corporate arena. So I had about 25 years in the corporate space. And um, then I was diagnosed with cancer. So being diagnosed with cancer changed my life. And look, on some level, it was a gift. So I really immersed myself in meditation or in mindfulness, and it changed my life. The changes were so profound that I thought, well, really, I have to share this gift with others. So you know, what I realized, um, a lot of reflection after being diagnosed with cancer, why did I get it? Why was it me? And I realized that I didn't have a self-care program. So I thought one of my roles in my in my life should be to go back and teach others about self-care and in particular meditation or mindfulness and how it can help you and how important it is and about the benefits. So I decided to become a teacher and I'm really glad I did. 
Oh, wow. What a story. And um, I know I was having that discussion with someone else about how often that is that people end up in crisis and then find meditation and, um, and then really become advocates for, for the practice. Uh, that's incredible, though. And do you feel that through that stage in your life when you had cancer, what was it about meditation that helped? Did you just feel it was an assistance or, yeah, what, what did it bring? Just peace of mind or? Yeah, peace of mind. And I found before my emotions were quite volatile. I would react to things unnecessarily. I became calm. And then just this amazing um, sense of gratitude for my life. You mm. know? Glad to be alive. Glad to be able to share it with others. You know, I have a lot to give and receive. Um, so I just really opened up my senses, I suppose. You know? Yeah. And then what a gift to be able to, to come from that place that you know the changes that brought you to then be able to teach and teach others, hopefully before they come into a time in their life when they, they do meet crisis or a health concern, a health scare. Yeah, before it's too late. Before <laughs> it's too late. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And is there a moment in that when you were practising that you realised the benefits of meditation? I remember... The first time I went to a meditation class, it was just so foreign, just closing my eyes and trying to empty my mind. It was just such a foreign, you know, concept that it can be a gradual process that you find that those thoughts fall away. And it's not about stopping thoughts, but finding that space between thoughts and slowing the mind down. Yeah. Can you pinpoint a time when it, you noticed and there was a change or was it more of a gradual unfolding for you? Oh, there's a few times in my life where I think back, oh, well, that was that was an amazing experience. But one that comes to mind was I was actually doing a heart meditation with a big class of people. And um, so we're feeling into the body and uh, I didn't really understand. This is right in the very beginning. didn't really understand what I was doing, but I was trying. Anyway, I felt into my heart center and uh, then there was this big release. I you know, burst into tears and I just felt amazing after that. So oh. big emotional release and I thought this is really, really powerful. Oh gosh, that sounds, yeah, it sounds like one of those moments where you, you just want to get back to, <laughs> back to it Absolutely. <laughs> and re- relive it yeah. um, when you have those really big, big changes and shifts. And what is it about your practice that is beneficial? Have you changed from practicing meditation? I believe that um, learning to meditate is one of the most beautiful gifts that you can give yourself and the, and the people around you. Um, for me, I'm more mindful with how I go about my daily life, like really how I'm eating my food, how I drive the car, where I'm walking, how I'm walking. I have my self-care program ensuring that you know a meditation practice is part of my, my program. My relationships with others are are much better. So I'm not as emotionally volatile or reactive. I sleep much better. I think I'm calmer and uh, probably happier in in my life as well. And I feel more gratitude rather than taking things for granted. I feel more gratitude than I've ever done before my entire life. Gosh, that's, I mean, what else else could you want? So much that meditation can bring to your life. And isn't that so true that how it affects everything else like it affects your relationships as well and the the people around you it's it's such a it can be such an influence uh when you start to practice and people start to notice it in you as well that there's something different and um it's like it is that gift that keeps giving absolutely yeah, yeah there's a flow and effect yeah i think another thing i'd add there is that just my ability 
to focus on things. I used to pride myself as being a, a great multitasker, especially when I was working in corporate, but really, if I reflect on it properly, I, I really didn't achieve much. But now, um, if I need to focus on something, um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot easier to do that. Yeah, it doesn't take as much energy. Yeah, okay. So you find there's like just more clarity in your mind? Yes, mm. seeing the way forward. Um, probably, I don't really share this with too many people, but I probably feel a little bit more intuitive as well. Yeah. Deci- decision making, those sort of things. Yes. Yeah. Helps a whole lot of things in my life. Yeah, definitely. What have you learned from teaching? What wisdom or insights do you have to share? Well, firstly, um, I love teaching. Absolutely love it. Um, the one thing that I've learned that it, it's always enjoyable and um, the most satisfying job that I've ever had. <laughs> um, the classes are always different. Um, you never know what's going to happen, what you're going to get. Um, people react in different ways when they start to learn to meditate. Um, I love helping people. And I've learned that there's a lot of people out there that, that need help. So generally people are really keen to learn. But also it's um, it's not about just coming to a four or a six or an eight week course and then you're done. Like I've learned that it's, it's a constant journey. Even for me, uh, someone that's been practicing for a number of years, I'm learning more and more each time I go and sit. And um, something that's lovely about being a teacher is that you learn from your students I might have like 10 things in my mind that I want to speak about in the next, say, 15 minutes to the class, and then one of the students will ask a question, and they'll frame it a different way, so it takes you on a different talk track, or they share an insight, which is great information, showing their experience. So it's a constant learning journey. We're learning about ourselves and learning about others. So it's it's never-ending, which is a really beautiful thing. Yeah, and um, isn't that true? Like you do, gosh, that's, I totally feel the same way about when you teach and it because you're just exposed to so many different people and how their perceptions and what they gain from it and yeah that's that's what I've enjoyed and that's what I feel like like you say it's just ongoing yeah that's right just lifelong keeps going yeah, yeah. the gift that keeps on giving I yeah, think. yeah absolutely and now listen there's many apps and different traditions of practice and I'm just wondering do you believe they all have value or do you only advocate for certain practices do you only teach certain practices I know for me I only really teach certain practices so for me um, look there's a number of practices out there and I think you need to find what works for you uh, for me I'm look most of the time I'm teaching mindfulness as you know um, I always provide my own professionally recorded practices to my students at the same time I always tell them that they need to find the app or the tradition of practice that works best for them that way I know that they'll be motivated to practice more often. But look, saying that, um, you know, a couple of months ago I had a surfing dude in one of my classes and uh, a few years ago I attended a course in Keeley meditation, which is quite a simple practice, but it's really popular amongst the surfing guys, especially oh. in Cronulla. It was developed in the US, but it's been brought to Australia and all the surfers in Cronulla do this Keeley practice. So you, you're actually just feeling into like the third eye area and then taking that energy down to the hearts. And they find when they open up their heart, you know, they're able to focus and perform better when they're surfing. Oh, wow. Never so, heard of it. Yeah, yeah. So I just saw that it, like some of the traditional mindfulness practices he wasn't enjoying, so I suggested, you know, the Keeley practice for him, and he really embraced that and loved that, you know, that I could do that. So always keep an open mind. As, as, as I've said before, we're always learning from, from students and different teachers. So um, 
What I one thing that I will say is, um, I find that the thing about mindfulness is, if you think about the brain, there's the thinking part of the brain and the feeling part. We're not going to have an anatomy lesson here, but one of what we're trying to do with mindfulness is really giving the thinking mind a rest so that we can rejuvenate. We use it so much of the time, and the thinking brain is quite naughty. It'll always take us on a journey. So some of the practices, you know, still involve using the brain, like you might be imagining something or visualizing something or perhaps, you know, using a mantra. I find that with if you're actually just switching off completely and just allowing the thoughts to come and go, but allowing that feeling sense to come into play rather than using the thinking mind, um, that's of more benefit. But that's in my own personal experience. Everybody's experience will be different, but that's that's what's worked for me. Mm. Yeah, and um, and you know this meant something to me. And that's why I wrote that question about that advocating. And um, even though I teach mindfulness, and look, you know, I know there's a lot of apps out there, and uh, not to say that I don't know which ones are good or bad. I don't really advocate for them or against them. It's more, I think, you know, if you're a beginner, you definitely should seek out a teacher and a class if you really want to take your practice further. I think an, um, apps are good for just introducing you to meditation, but I don't know how much benefit you actually would get from, from listening to an app if you've got no no experience. and um, It's good to know some theory and maybe some yeah. little tips and, and the interaction you get in a classroom. Really, you can't put a price on that. It's so valuable. Yeah. But also, I don't know if you've noticed this, um, this, but when you, let's say you do a practice in the class and then you go around the room and ask some of the participants how was it for them or what were their insights, you know, all the students are learning from each other in that environment. So you don't get that with an app. You don't get that interaction with those valuable insights. You know, really quite amazing. Definitely. And there's always somebody that will actually answer the questions for everybody else, it seems, too. Yes. Like the, the more talkative person will yeah. seem to um, answer other things that people may be shy about saying yeah. or, or expressing. So Some people are scared to ask questions. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's really valuable. Otherwise, you know, if you're at home on your own and you just put up with it or you've got a question and you couldn't be bothered asking, then there goes that opportunity. I think a classroom environment is is so valuable. Yeah, definitely. And just even those simple things like thinking, if you sit with an app, you know, for 10, 20 minutes in your mind races, or I think I read something that every minute you lose um, concentration six to seven times. So yeah. that's just the standard. Everyone loses focus, and especially with meditation. It's all about that practice. So if you're sitting with an app, an app and you're just floating away with your thoughts or your just mind is racing and you think, oh, I'm just, I can't do this meditation thing. And you're not going to realise the power of actually meditating with a group and having a teacher there to answer those questions about racing mind and knowing that everyone else has a racing mind and, and then you go, oh, that's just part of, part of the journey with meditation. Part of the learning. And you yeah. know that we're also trying to teach people to be mindful with their technology. So <laughs> I've got this block with apps because, you know, you're engaging with your phone or your tablet to turn on the app. And, uh, yeah, I think you need a break from technology and the radiation and whatever else that comes with that. Yeah. That's so true and that's how I feel about it. I've, and also you, you don't want your practice to be um, reliant Mm. on things like having your phone you, you you really want to be able to do a practice that you can do independently of yeah in the moment if you have an emotional outburst and need to go and you know sit for a few moments be able to do that without your app mm. that's what we're aiming for really so, yes yeah, yeah. definitely 
And how about um, any stories to share from students that you've had, how their practices evolved? Um, I've got students of all ages. So I've written um, a mindfulness program for young kids called Zen Warriors. Um, and I hear lots of beautiful stories from some of the mums, kids that are calmer, coping you know, better emotionally, or they're simply sleeping better. I actually have um, an elderly lady who comes consistently <laughs> to all of my um, community classes and uh, she says that mindfulness has changed her life. She meditates every day and has told me that it's even saved her marriage, <laughs> which is great. Um, uh, corporate clients, I have a corporate client and most of their employees are in their 20s or, or early 30s. I did a four-week program there last year, and they've completely embraced mindfulness in the workplace. What they've actually done is cleared out a room, and they have a dedicated um, meditation space, and even a dedicated time during the day where people can go in and, and have a quiet time, which is really lovely. So they've, they've embraced it really well. Oh, isn't that fantastic? I love it. Like a little zen zone, a meditation station in, in the office. I yeah. just think every office would benefit it's fantastic isn't it and at that age being so young in the workplace what a beautiful gift yeah I wish that I'd you know learned it so young in the workplace or even as a child that's actually what prompted me to to do the kids program in the first in the first place was uh, such a great gift to learn at a young age oh definitely and um, I only hope we see more of that in in schools and yeah uh, kids learning so when you do get to the office and you do get stressed, you know how to regulate those emotions and those thought patterns. Um, and I know that when I, a place I worked at, God, must have been about 10 years ago now, we used to have a yoga instructor come in. I thought, God, wouldn't it be good, though, if we just could do meditation without having to get changed? And mm. and we just had, we had the yoga instructor. But you felt so good after the, the hour with, with the instructor but I used to think, oh, wouldn't it be terrific to just sit and meditate or have a space where you could just... Uh, that's exciting to think that, you know, companies are starting to do that. Yeah, finally. Yeah, it's yeah. It's very good news. <laughs> and so, Alison, what would be the one thing you would like everyone to know about meditation? As I mentioned before, um, learning to meditate is one of the most beautiful gifts that you can give yourself. It will change your life. However... You do need to follow my three P principles. You have to be persistent. You definitely need to persevere and be patient. Be patient with yourself. uh, And I guarantee you that the results will come. So patience, I really can't stress that enough. Also, anyone can meditate. You can meditate anywhere and anytime. You just have to give it a go. Yeah, I love it. I love the three P's. What's that? Patience? Perseverance and persistence. What's first? What was the... I said persistence. Persistence? Yeah. Perseverance. Perseverance and patience. Patience. So true. Gosh, that's um, that's good advice. Alison, thank you so much for joining me. It's been great talking to you. I love your warmth and your dedication to teaching. It's just so nice to, to share information with other people, with other teachers. I've just enjoyed creating this podcast and meeting everyone. And so thank you for being at the end of it. And... Um, Thank you, Gabby. My pleasure. All right. All the best. Thank you. (laughs) 